an incredible day that you know dreams are only made of to to finish on your terms not many people get to do it um and I've done it probably the best way I could ever ever have imagined you know I'm just about in one piece I've played in a brilliant game with a brilliant team in my home city where it all began that was Sarah Hunter in her final press conference as a rugby player and this is the TW2 podcast my name is Fergus Mainland and I'm joined by James Price and Imogen Ainsworth to have a look back and celebrate the career of England's greatest rugby player, Sarah Hunter. Imogen has a selection of quiz questions she's pulled together from the World Rugby website. James is going to provide an overview as to her outstanding career and we're going to look back on that momentous sporting occasion that was her homecoming send-off at Kingston Park up in Newcastle. So James, I'm going to hand straight over to you off the bat. Take us through the life and work of England's greatest rugby player. I'll do my very best. And it obviously starts in 1985 in Newcastle, well, in North Shields specifically, but obviously up in Newcastle where she finished off during the weekend. Uh, yeah, she actually began playing rugby league, was her first code, obviously up in the north. That's, that's their home code. But she switched to rugby union after there wasn't a girls' club for her to join uh, for rugby league. And she started playing union at Nova Castrians RFC in 2000. And she actually started as a centre, Fergus and Imogen. How exciting, eh? We could have had her as a centre. Um, <laughs> God, imagine that. See her onto the centre. Yeah, I know. Um, it would be interesting. But uh, she was then... Basically, she moved basically to the second row on the help, really, of her coach, Damien... Mooney, uh, who made a basically she started at England under 19s, uh, and that's when she started playing as well for Litchfield Ladies at Loughborough University. Um, and that was her first club, started at Litchfield, spent some time at Bristol as well, and finally, obviously, went back to Loughborough at the start of the, the Tyrrells uh, 15s competition. Um, and obviously before that as well, she made her England debut in 2007. So that's a long, long stint that she's had in that England shirt. Won a World Cup in 2014. Obviously had some slightly less successful World Cups in 2017 and <laughs> 2021 as well. Um, and obviously became the most capped England player of all time and the most capped women's rugby player of all time. When she took over... Uh, Rocky Clark, who was on 137, yeah. and then she made 138. She also played in the 2010 World Cup. She did play in the 2010. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mention that. No um, uh, now, obviously, finished on 141 caps uh, with an MBE in 2015 for services to rugby, World Rugby Player of the Year in 2016, 10 Six Nations titles, nine Grand Slams. And obviously will continue being a coach at Loughborough Lightning to the end of the season. So she's not quite gone yet. But that, in as quick as I can, is Sarah Hunter in a nutshell. And of course, the most recent recipient of the Rugby Union Writers Club's Pat Marshall Memorial Award. Exactly. Oh yeah, sorry, how could I not mention that one? Yeah, yeah, huge. Right alongside the workout win, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and a key member of our Premier 15s in 15s introduction yes that's of course yes. that's the highest accolade i'm not really sure why is. that's not on the uh, yeah, england rugby exactly. website but so um, her sticker is in the post yes Might get lost with duans duans yeah mm. there you go anyway Imo, from that illustrious career uh you've been able to pull together some quiz questions all about sarah hunter i have i will admit these are all taken from the women in rugby section 
on world rugby, but there's I found them really interesting. So, how many countries has she faced uh, playing for England? Are we doing this as a team? Or are we oh no, no, no. Oh, is this, this is competitive. Against team progress? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. How many, how many, how many countries teams? has she played against? Yeah. Uh, so, it's definitely four. <laughs> it's definitely five. <laughs> it's definitely more than that. <laughs> it's definitely five. Yeah. Six. I think 23. Right. James? 23? You've yeah. Gone. Jeez. Um, I'm going to go slightly lower. I'll go 17. It was 15, so James oh. wins that one. Also, Congratulations, up James. the bloody jumper. This <laughs> includes games against... Uh, well, sorry... Of these nations, only four uh, have beaten the Red Roses that contain Sarah Hunter. Can you name Oh, four? the four teams that have beaten... Ooh. Oh, I'm... New Zealand. Oh, am I going first? Oh, or should we bounce oh, should we go... okay, so take New Zealand. Two Fra- each. Yeah. France. Yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Ooh. Is it obvious and I'm, for... and I'm missing um, it? Ish. Um... They were very good at the last World Cup. They pushed it Canada. very far. There you go. I was, Canada. That was going to be my other answer, but I remember the last time they played Canada, they absolutely smashed them. So. My next question, jumping off the back of that one, is how many times did she play against the Black Ferns? And a bonus point, if you can tell me how many she won, Uh-oh. lost, and drew. <laughs> oh, um, also, if you can tell me the score of the draw. Oh, well, she would have played the Black Ferns. One, Ooh, two... I don't... Four times. Five times. Six times. Four you were times. both wrong. It was 17. 17? Really? Oh, because yeah. they used to have the um, the, the world challenge thing. Before. How many do you reckon she won? 10. No, 12. Six. Seven. Oh, How many did she lose then? I've said she Oh, she drew one. one. You 17, so... Nine. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> it was and what just was the <laughs> score of the draw? 18 uh, all. No. Um, 36 all. It was 8 all. Oh, oh I'll take that one. When yeah. was that? Does it say that? was in 2011, um, and that was only one of two draws that she was involved in as captain of England, which is pretty cool. That was played in Isha. In Isha? Oh, yeah. nice. Where is Isha? Just down the road. Near here. It's yeah. in London. It sounds like it should be in Scotland, though. Hence why I did my pathetic Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> On that one, how many tests did she play against France? Oh, God. Um, She's 17 against the Black Ferns. I think 22. 27. Oh, it was 26. Oh, oh. I've been one out so many With times. 20 wins, 6 defeats. And then also it mentions on here that she played against Kazakhstan, Samoa, Sweden and Fiji once each. Which is quite interesting. That is cool. Yeah. Kazakhstan. Yeah. Was that home or away Kazakhstan? I couldn't tell you, Not but sure. we'll, we'll find out. Another question. How many times did she captain England at the Rugby World Cup? At the... At the Individual what? games? During, yeah. During games. the campaigns. Um, during the game. Okay, games, um, right. Okay, so uh, it's a lot of World Cups. I'm going to say... One, two, 18. Ooh. I'm going to say... 20. The answer is 11. Oh. No. And it's the same. <laughs> no, I, added, I, added, I added an extra World Cup. Same as two so, men's coaches, uh, men's coaches, men's captains, captaining England at World Cups. Can you name the two? What, that is the same amount? Yeah. Um, Martin Johnson. Yep. That's one of them. And... 
This is a bit of a rogue one, but Will Carling. Yes. Yes. Legend. Finally, we have what is Sarah Hunter's win percentage in the England jersey? Seventy-eight. I was going to go seventy. Eighty-five point one. Oh, she that, won her wow. first twenty-two matches for the Red Roses, good. and who ended that defeat? And where was it? Her first twenty-two. Yeah, so it will be all blacks in the World Cup final. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> final in the World Cup final. Sorry. And finally, a rogue one. I said that was the final one, but I just found another exciting one. Um, how many points have England scored in Sarah Hunter's one hundred and forty-one matches? Say that again. How many? How many points have England scored? Oh, how many points have England scored? Also, the well, conceding is quite interesting. What's so. fifty times one hundred forty-one? <laughs> we can see because it, I think it will average to about fifty because sometimes they win by about seventy. I think we're looking at about four thousand points. James, I'm I'm not joking. I'm getting out of calculator because <laughs> I can't do maths. Pictured off screen, James. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six thousand. And 6,700 points. There's 5,032. Oh. Any idea how many they conceded? A thousand. Versus 5,000 and something. Yeah, a thousand. About a thousand. 1,461. Take that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well. So you can say she's had a pretty decent career when you look at those yeah. stats. Well, we've categorically failed the Sarah Hunter quiz, but uh, yeah. it was good fun nonetheless. Yeah, thank you very much for that quiz, Imogen. And I suppose going to that final one of all of those test matches that, that she has played in, up in Kingston Park, James, as you've, as you've mentioned, it was a perfect conclusion to her to career, finishing off where it all started. And I knew, actually, I knew of the, you're of the strong belief that actually that is the perfect note for her to walk out. I mean, just from a, from a human sort of angle standpoint, let's say, to go from uh, the young girl who was handing out um, match day programmes at Kingston Park to being on the front of those programmes. I don't think you can have a more perfect send-off. I think for everything that she's done for the game, uh, as a you know as a leader really, both as a player and a person, for someone who is, I think, tirelessly unselfish by all accounts, not just you know as a player and as an individual as well. She deserves that send-off. She deserves... Obviously, it's slightly uh, inorganic for her to leave at the start of a Six Nations campaign, but I think she absolutely deserves that kind of send-off for me. I think it's a really difficult one. I think the way I approach it is, obviously, she started her rugby career around there, and it wouldn't have been perfect if she could have started her last campaign there and finished at Twickenham, kind of showing the progression of where she's come from and where, where she finish and but also the progression of the women's game as well well exactly and then she could have done it with a with a trophy in her hands after a grand slam you know obviously a disappointing end to the the world cup for them i think it would have been lovely to have been able to see that obviously it's completely up to her what she decides to do but it did seem a bit of a shame that i don't know this is just selfishly that i wasn't there and we've got tickets for the the france game <laughs> and i was hoping we'd get to see her then but um yeah it just it seems like she hasn't. She obviously had the send off in the memorable place, but I think we could have given her a send off with well, at the moment forty thousand plus fans. I think that would have just been a, a special moment to commemorate her. But obviously, she's done what she feels is is the right way to go about it, and also it it limits her. You know, she could have got injured in the next match, and that could have been the end of her her career. You know, coming off 
you know, in the middle of a game, which you just can't control those possibilities. So I think, yeah, it was obviously, I think, a personal moment for her, but it was nice, you know, unselfishly, but to have given her a big send-off that I think she definitely deserved in front of all those people. But at the end of the day, she's done what's right for her. So, mm. yeah, crack on. Yeah, it's, it's one, actually, and previously I was, I mean... A caveat, first of all, I start by saying, James, I completely agree with everything you said uh, about, you know, the nice story. And I think it's it's a lovely poetic end in sport that quite often you're not, you're not able to write it yourself. And I think to get it on our own terms was was lovely. Uh, and I particularly imagine after losing that World Cup final in the way that England did, I am probably in a position I will never understand ever how much something like that hurts. So I think to be able to get a nice win on on Newcastle soil and home soil must have been lovely. But there's that part of me as well that's just like, as I suppose as a fan of 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 team sports, I'd I'd want I'd want to see my captain going right the way through to the end of a campaign and to see that off. And and what we'd be waiting for her is that brilliant game that's going to come out at Twickenham against the French. It's going to be the two of the best teams in the world going up against each other. And what a way to end your career on, I think, as I said earlier, going from the progression of, of, of the women's game of a whole to what will hopefully be a record seller to Twickenham. Imagine that as your win. I just think, what a, what a way to end your note, because you get your, you get your homecoming in Newcastle at the beginning of this roadshow that England's going on at the moment. And then to finish it off at Twickenham, I think would be good because you're first of all seeing out the campaign with your, with your teammates, but also the, the that, that I think the poignancy of that moment of finishing it at Twickenham at captain I think would be very very special yeah I mean I think I see where you're coming from it really gets to the heart of a debate we've kind of had a few times on the podcast which is do we hold the women's game to the exact same standards we might the men's because I think it can't be denied that this situation is one we haven't seen in the England men's game for, for a long time or for my lifetime at least where you have this slightly um you know, concessions are made for someone to leave during the middle of a tournament. Not only for someone to leave, it's your leader, your captain to leave. I know, Emma, you have a, you know, you understand leadership better than I do uh, from a sports science background perspective. Um, and that can destabilise them. Mm. They could massively destabilise them. Personally, for me, I would imagine that everybody in that team is on board with that decision. They know that she deserves the send-off that she got everyone was probably aware of the plan previous to this camp that this is what is going to happen. It was released to the media, you know, during the week, but I'm pretty sure they would be aware, look, Sarah's going to be here, but she will leave. And Marley is the leader. And the, I guess the, the criticism that maybe, oh, it's a bit harsh to put this on Marley's door straight out the bat because, you know, suddenly she's the captain of this team. I think the captain isn't necessarily, or a leader isn't someone with just the person with the armband on they also she's obviously been a leader in that squad for such a long time um so for me i personally think it's it's a nice way to go i think it'd have been even nicer if she'd been named as captain they co-captained her for her final game surely you give her that and with the understanding that then obviously marley's going to be captain going mm. forward and you say when sarah steps off the pitch marley's going to be captain i just think it would have been so nice to have her like that and i guess we spoke about how selfless she is. I think one of the memorable mm. moments for many people will be that the way she carried herself after that World Cup final and how, you know, when she had milestones that kind of came at the same time as other people, she let them take centre stage. And I think 
maybe her reasoning for not going out against France was kind of she wanted other people to be able to celebrate that moment, I guess, and she didn't want that day to all be about her leaving. Mm. She can now leave now, step back, mm. step away, and the rest of the team can enjoy that kind of day. But yeah, it just seems a bit of a strange one, not even as a captain, but she's obviously played an insane amount of tests for England at a record level. She's going to leave a big gap in the team, and to do that kind of first game in the tournament, you just, you know, I'm, I'm fully confident that England will have a plan. Of, of who they're going to put in. Maybe we even see mm. Zoe Oldcroft making another appearance at, at eight, or they've got plenty of other <laughs> capable people. But just to have a, a figure like that leave when you've had her at the at the pre-camp and stuff, and then suddenly they're gone, and this figure... I don't know if she's going to be yeah. staying around or what she's I'd imagine she would. She's not staying in it's camp. She's Apparently not. she's doing TV next week. So she'll be there, Ooh. but not... Um, yeah, not in camp. Yeah, just from like a psychology team cohesion perspective, it just must... When you've had that person that's been such a, a constant, to then have in the same tournament her involved, and then suddenly she disappeared. Yeah. It's not like you've started the campaign. It's a new year, mm. a relatively fresh group after the World Cup. Marley can kind of go in fresh. They can set up a new era of of rugby. You know, before Sam Milton leaves, they can really gel with this new squad. And then suddenly you've got a member of the team that's been so influential for so long. So mm. not there for your next your next few games. It just yeah, it just seems. I'd like to see how England kind of face it. I'm sure they won't have any problems performance-wise. It, w- it wonders, because obviously Myler is named as co-captain. If she, by the sounds of it, she'll be put up to captaining the team. And then you wonder, well, who's going to step up as assuming assuming that there'll be then vice-captains named on the on the team sheet as well. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm in the same camp as you, Imo, in the sense that I'd either want her named... I, I wouldn't... Yeah, named as captain probably for that first match until she comes off. But don't, almost don't don't have her sharing the spotlight with someone just because... Yeah, but she doesn't want the spotlight. You said it in your own answer. She's not a person for the personal spotlight. Yeah, she definitely wouldn't think, have asked to be captain. Maybe it would have been nice for Simon Middleton to say, look, you are captain whether you want to be or not. I think, but I think sometimes, you know, we, we saw Johnny Sexton, uh, Grand Slam, want to lift the trophy with someone else. Andy Farrell said, no, you need to do this by yourself. This is for you. Sometimes we need to have that, you know, hold into account and say, no, it, she deserved to be captain in that final game. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm saying. So she got her weekend where she was able to leave early. So, you know, there you go. She gets her stage. You never know. But, but at no. the same time, the two things are true at the same time. Neither, yeah. neither one of us are wrong in this situation. No. Just I personally think the human angle and you think the performance angle yeah, is completely fair enough. Performance-wise, obviously, I guess, difference between the men's, England men's team no matter how bad they've been, and the England women's team, is that you know we can't ignore the fact that the competition's a lot, a lot stronger than the men's and that a captain leaving in that time would be you know Huge. an outrage. Yeah. Even yeah. when Ellis Gendra's name was captain over and Farrell, Farrell's on the bench, that was massive That's news. That's so yeah. And when he came on as captain, it was just this weird, contrived thing. Yeah, yeah, it was very strange. And I guess that might just be where the women's game's at at the moment, that hmm. it could be... It's negative that... You know, we're still striving for this competitiveness. Mm. You know, it's obviously building and building, but a positive that it means that she can enjoy that moment without, you know, having to face an uproar because of it and people being up in arms about it. But yeah, it's just a very difficult situation. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's great to see her being able to do it on her own terms. So I think that's what's lovely to to witness. Yeah, very interesting to see how, first of all, England managed that homecoming for for Sarah Hunter but then of course the next 
thing is, well, we're now entering a chapter of English rugby without Sarah Hunter. And there's a huge amount of excitement, opportunity, and I think a lot of unknowns as to what's going to happen um, over the next, well, few rounds of this tournament, but also long term. Yeah, I'd also maybe like to see, you know, her stay on, on as a kind of consultancy type role. She knows the team better than anyone, especially with Simon Middleton leaving um, at the end of the Six Nations as well. I did see somewhere, I can't remember who said it on Twitter, saying, oh, is she just leaving now because she's going to be taking a coaching role uh, after Middleton goes, which you do joke about it, but, you know, don't know if that's what she wants or not. But, yeah, I think if if she wants to, there is scope for her. I think she's such an invaluable person to have in that in that changing room to be to be guiding the squad if that's what she wants to do. But, yeah, obviously she's now inside. So. I think, watch this space, she will be coaching at the next World Cup. Somewhere. In some, in some guys, she will be coaching, is my prediction for Kazakhstan yeah (laughs) Sarah Hunter you run out of superlatives to describe her career the achievements that she has strung together over over the years whether it's the World Cup win whether it's shattering England's cap record or whether it's the number of Grand Slams and Six Nations titles that she's had and regardless of 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 the send-off that she got in of Newcastle, whether she should be continuing throughout. She got to do it on her own terms, and it's not often in sport that you can say that you were able to end your career exactly how you wanted to. And for Sarah Hunter, that was a win, a magnificent win over Scotland in her hometown at Kingston Park, a sold-out Kingston Park in front of a brilliant Geordie crowd. And that'll bring an end to today's episode. We will be back, obviously, tomorrow, Thursday and Friday with our packed Six Nations coverage schedule that we've got five days a week throughout this tournament. So from all of us in the studio, we'll see you next time in the TW2. (laughs) 